Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Fee-for-Service Dentist Podcast. Today, our guest, Dr. Alex Kamak, C-A-M-M-A-C-K. He's going to talk a little bit about his journey and where it led to him purchasing his father-in-law's practice with participation in three plans and then what his strategy was as he dropped plan number one, then plan number two, and he still has plan number three. And I kind of nudge him a little bit, but it's a good conversation and he's uh a very thought, very thoughtful person. So he's thinking about a lot of things. And I think this will be a pretty good episode. And he can be reached at Dr. Alex Kamak. Dr. Dr. Alex A-L-E-X Kamak C-A-M-M-A-C-K at gmail.com. As always, our podcast is brought to you by Kettenbach Dental, and they are excited to announce the first major advancement in fluoride varnish treatments called Profacel. It's no longer alcohol or resin-based. Instead, patients will want this treatment delivered with a muco-adhesive dimethicone gel. It leaves a smooth, silky, and lubricious feeling. No more grit. Contact Kettenbach today for more details. Call 877-532-2123 or visit kettenbachusa.com. If you like the episode, click like. Please share it with your friends and celebrate all things that are involved with this. The fee-for-service Facebook dentistry group, please join. Uh, You don't have to, but it's nice. It's a great community. If you don't like the episode, well, why don't you tell me about it? Or if you'd like to come on as a guest, tell me. We'd love to have you. Sunnyspira at gmail.com. Thanks a lot, folks. Enjoy the show. My name is Drew Burns, and I'm a part of a small group of dentists who believe something crazy. We believe that the standard of care is just not good enough. We demand the best of ourselves and the best for our patients. We believe that the best way, no, the only way to practice dentistry is on our own terms. If you ask the dental consultants or the corporate CEOs, they tell you that what we're doing isn't smart, that fee-for-service dentistry is dead, and that the golden age of dentistry is over. Yet... While others focus on profits first, we focus on the patient first. And yet our offices are some of the most profitable in the entire country because we invest in ourselves and we are doing things right. It's our name on the door and it's our reputation on the line. My name is Drew Burns and I am a fee-for-service dentist. This is the Fee-for-Service Dentist Podcast and these are our stories. Welcome to the Fee-for-Service Dentist Podcast, Dr. Sonny Spira. Today, our guest is Dr. Alex Kamak. Did I pronounce that right? Kamak, but I answered anything. Kamak? All right. It's like Kmart, Kamak, but it's with a C. All right, let me give you some background on Dr. Kamak. All right, he was born and raised in Longview, Texas. He attended Baylor University in Waco, undergrad degree in health science studies. He went on to the University of Texas Health Science Center in San Antonio. See if he's a Spurs fan. He graduated cum laude with his doctorate degree in dental surgery in 2011. 
He also received the award for excellence for two years in a row with the AAID Senior du Student Dental Award for Implant Dentistry and also the Oral Maxillofacial Surgeon Senior Dental Student Award for Academic Achievement. Love surgery. He's wanted to be a dentist since he was 14, always had a passion for meeting people, working with his hands, loves implant dentistry and all surgical aspects in dentistry. He's an active member of the AGD, Texas Dental Association, and the ADA. He's committed to CE and self-improvement through coursework and association involvement so that he may provide exemplary service and care to each and every patient. Outside of the office, loves and supports his wife, Dr. Kathleen Kamek. Kamek, who is a OBGYN at Texas Healthcare here in Fort Worth. They love and adore their sons and son and daughters, Porter, Parker, and Louise. Loves being able to practice with his father-in-law and keeps it in the family. Also an avid uh, active outdoorsman, sports enthusiast, hiking, hunting, golfing, soccer, snow skiing, water skiing, and running. Yeah, you didn't miss too many sports there. It's pretty good. During football season, you can expect to find him following college football and cheering on the Baylor Bears. All right. He had some good years. Yeah. Dr. K. Mack and his family attend Christ Chapel Bible Church, and he strives to live every day by the verse, to whom much is given, much more is expected. And we're going to get into, we're going to talk a little bit about when he purchased his father-in-law's dental practice in 2017. Really interesting stuff. So first of all, let's welcome. Dr. Alex K. Mack, how are you doing today, man? I'm wonderful. It's a great Friday. It's a, it's a good day. It's uh, Friday in our Catholic religion. We're in Lent. Easter's coming up shortly, so nothing but fish today. That's right. All right. So, all right. So, uh, talk about it. 14 years old. Why was that the time you knew you wanted to be a dentist? What happened? Uh, I'll give you the short story on that one. It was uh, <laughs> more, of a, more of an accident than anything. Uh, uh Dad has uh, three boys total. I'm the middle one. And I was in a health class. I, all my family's in finance of some sort. Uh, but I like math and science. I was in a health class. Uh, teacher said, hey, write, write a, uh, you know, a paper on any any health industry, you know, any doctor, whatever you want. I said, Dad, what should I be when I grow up? And he said, uh, orthopedic surgeon. So that sounds great. And you had three boys, all broken bones. And um so when it came time to write the paper, uh, my older brother had just gotten his wisdom teeth out at the oral surgeon. And I go, yeah, I think that's what my dad said, oral surgeon. Yeah. And we had a family friend who was an oral surgeon in Longview. And so I went and shadowed him and and, and just really enjoyed all the aspects of, of what he was doing. And um, so that's kind of the career path I started uh, going to, to dental school or go, going to college uh, to be an oral surgeon and then meeting uh, the love of my life and realizing she had several years of residency ahead of her um, kind of said, you know, let's, let's maybe pause the oral surgery right and route and see what, uh, what we can do in the general dentistry aspect and what surgery allows you to do in a general dentist practice. So kind of by accident in a, in a weird way. Well, pretty interesting. And you, you kind of pivoted off of the oral surgery I did, yeah. So uh, in, in school, I, I wanted to, uh, my wife and I met in college, and I, I guess I didn't really realize how much time and energy and work it took into, uh, you know, at, after dental school and knowing that my wife was in medical school at the time, and, and we were in different cities. We were long distance for about five years after college, um, and, and we would, I mean, it, who knows where we'd end up, and so 
I knew that she had to go into residency and I thought, well, let's, let's just give dentistry a, a run and, and not pursue residency and, and see what happens um, after that. But ended up loving the more comprehensive uh, general side of it all, being able to pick and choose what I'd want to do. So you graduated in 2011 and says you purchased your father's practice in 2017. What happened in the in-between? What were you doing between uh, those? 2011 went to uh, San Antonio to Houston where my wife was finishing up her last year of medical school. Had a uh, job there for a year. Uh, really enjoyed that. Got to learn from uh, a great dentist down uh, kind of in the Clear Lake area. And then my wife got her residency in Dallas at Bumsey. So we moved to Dallas, uh, worked there for four years, and then moved to moved to Fort Worth in the summer of 16, and then bought the practice in uh, January 17. Well, Dallas, Dallas and Fort Worth, though, are pretty close, right? They are. Yeah, it's a it's a metroplex that is separated by nothing but a bunch of uh, kind of in-between cities. All right. So when you were in, in Dallas, four years, residence, excuse me, uh, associateship, corporate, what were you doing? I was, uh, I was, what I started with the corporate office. Uh, this is kind of actually one of my favorite stories. Um, I, I, I won't name the corporate office that I was with. I, I really like, I like the, the practice. I like the locations they had in Dallas. Uh, but three months in, I got fired, uh, after he, uh, sold the practice, uh, or sold, or sold that location to an individual. And that individual, uh, had me fired by the head person and he's basically, it was, I was not producing enough. Um, you know, everybody needs a night guard. Everybody needs deep cleanings. Everybody needs, uh, you know, their occlusal pits need to be OBLs instead of just occlusals. And I'm like, ah, that's just not me. And so I, I wasn't, wasn't producing. And that was a Sunday night. I got fired. And by Monday morning, I had a friend reach out uh, unbeknownst that I got fired and offered up a position uh, to me at a place where he was working. It was a private practice, a father and a son. And I mean, you talk about a, uh, a God moment in, in my life. It was just glaring at me. Hey, this is where you need to be. Um, so it's been about four, four years there in that, in that private practice with the the father and the son, uh, the, the dad retired shortly after I, I got there and, and we, they had two practices and was able to, uh, it, it was really amazing. I, I basically was running my own practice, but as an associate, he wasn't there. I was the only dentist. And so taking over a, um, a man who was beloved in the town of Cedar Hill, uh, you know, you, you really have to learn to, to love, love and take on his patients and, and treat them the way that they were used to being treated by uh, this man. What were you talking long-term? Was there any discussion about, Hey, I could buy into this or how about your buddy? Did he buy into it? What was the, uh... no, he, he's a traveling uh, dentist who did oral surgery. So he went on, there's a, a group out of Dallas that they do that. Um, they've gone and done, you know, a GPR. And so they, they, they sedate and travel around and, and uh, shuck wisdom teeth. Um, but he was just kind of there part-time doing that. And, and there was, there was a conversation about two or three years in, and uh, this man had has uh, three kids, two are currently in dental school, and one uh, is in a medical school. His wife is a pediatric dentist, and I mean, he's like a, a brother to me, an incredible family, and, and loved them uh, to death. And I had a, a conversation with him, and he was very open and honest, and he goes, you know, Alex, I, I just don't know. I, I don't see anything right now, and I don't want to lead you on 
because at that point in time when we were in Dallas, we weren't sure if we were going to leave Dallas and come back to Fort Worth or if we were going to stay in Dallas. Um, but it, it was it was not a deciding factor. My wife wanted to get back closer to home. Uh, she had a practice lined up and set up for her and her family's here. And so it was really nice to be able to, to be closer to family. And, and uh, we had two of our three kids in her residency. So I was like a single dad for a little while. Um, what's the, the what's the dis- distance between where you were in Dallas and where you're setting up in Fort Worth? Uh, 50 minutes, probably, uh, I, you know, but anywhere to 45 to an hour and a half, depending so on it traffic. Could, it could have worked. I mean, you could have been, yeah. you know, it's not like you were working in, uh, you know, El Paso or something, you know, um, it wasn't, it wasn't terrible. Okay. All right. So <clears throat> they were up front with you. So that's good. So Talk about what did you take from that now experience you because all this stuff is building, right? So you got six years of what 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 would the funniest thing would be like called the real world experience, right? And yep. now, you know, you're going to go in and you're going to purchase your father-in-law's practice. But leading up to that, what were some of the things that you were starting to uh, really sink your teeth into? Like, you know, Hey, I really want to learn about this or the HR process or, you know, uh, marketing or just, just the various things that come with running a practice. Did you really start to do that then? Or did you figure it out later? Boy, I should have done more of this. Yeah, it was much later. It was, uh, <laughs> I was, I was much more focused honing on, uh, dental skills than I was with anything else. And if anything in my life, uh, I am, I'm the weakest in the HR, you know, staff management, having the harder conversations, um, and to me, the you know the the marketing piece is is more internal marketing, and I found I've done some external marketing campaigns, and they've uh, some literally have panned to zero. Um, you, you know, you'll spend twenty or thirty grand and get nothing from it. But the internal marketing of just loving and caring for your patients um, is is the biggest dividend that you can you know you can get um, from from taking care of them. But the the the, the blessing there was we had thought about moving to Fort Worth for her residency and and moving straight in with her dad uh, he had an associate at the time and and we weren't really sure you know this wasn't a three doc practice it was kind of a two doc maybe one and a half doc type practice at the time uh, but we we ended up deciding on Dallas based upon uh, that residency there and and where she wanted to be but it was so great for me because I was able to to learn on my own and learn some different techniques and then come in and bring in some different stuff. And about that time, about a year before I joined my father-in-law, his associate uh, kind of on, on a whim, we we thought we were going to work together when he retired, but he went out and bought his own practice uh, here in town. So it it really worked out well. I was able to to come in uh, with some of my own knowledge and ways of fixing things. And the man I'd worked with beforehand, the the guy, the, the guy who'd retired was just a MacGyver of dentistry and was really good at, you know, piecemealing things together in an accurate and proper way, not just kind of patching stuff to patch it, but, you know, not everybody's got several grand to spend to fix something. And so it was a, it was a really good uh, practice to learn that you can do full mouth restorative. And at the same time, you can patch left and right and kind of get somebody along until, until, uh, you know, they're feeling better or they pass away or trying try to try to get different, different opinions, different aspects of how, uh, how to treat people. Okay. 
So when you left that practice, what year was that? Like, did you did you uh, go right into the purchase of your father-in-law's practice, or would you? June of sixteen was when I left that practice, and then joined my father-in-law July of sixteen, and then spent the next six months of um, you know rather than buying it right off the bat, wanting to you know get to you know, get to know the staff a little bit more, understand the process. Uh, you know, he he says that when you know, when he, he, you've got to be ready to sell. And he was, he was ready to sell and kind of step away. And he stayed on for, uh, you know, really just until this last November when he retired. So he stayed on for what's that's, you know, seven years almost. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was an associate and it was great. He worked three days then two and a half then two, then one and one and a half. And, um, so it was a, uh, it was a great transition for that six months of, you know, the fall of 16 to kind of get used to uh, the office and the staff and the patients before diving right into it and buying it. Did his associates stick around too? Nope. They, uh, he, he left um, maybe a year and a half or so before I joined the practice. And that, that was another um, blessing as well. A great guy and a great dentist. And, but I think it, it worked out best that he had uh, a practice here in Fort Worth that he, he wanted to buy. Okay, so you guys probably you're in the same community then, right? Same professional yep. community. Yep, yep. Still friends to this day, and his his wife's a dentist as well uh, here in Fort Worth. So great, great family. Nothing like staying professional. Yep, it is. You know, it's lacking nowadays way too much. Yes, it is. All right, so you you work for six months. Um, what was what was it like to negotiate with your father-in-law? What was that? Uh... <laughs> it was it was very easy. Uh, I I told him I didn't want to negotiate. He has another daughter. And he he wanted to make it fair. Uh, he did not want to, uh, you know, give me a deal. And 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 really, the only deal he gave me was that he said, "Hey, I'm going to stay on and work." And uh, he carried the note on the practice, which is really nice and amazing and kind. And uh, so we we went to a bank and said, "Hey, uh, you know, what would we what would we pay and what would the the term be?" And he basically copied that. Uh, we got a an appraisal from um, a, a company here in, in the Metroplex. And then my CPA company did their own appraisal and they were within, I think, twenty-five or $50,000 of each other. And so I think we took the average of those two and, and moved on. And it was a, it was actually, it was kind of odd. We, we were signing the papers at this desk here and we're like, uh, what, what's, what's next? Do we, do we shake hands? Like, what do we, what do we do here? And then we kind of shook hands and went and had dinner and, and then it was good. What um, was it like? your first day of ownership in terms of your team uh well it, it was interesting because the the cpa company i went with uh moss Luce and womble um they've been amazing to me and, and i've really enjoyed their, their financial advisors and uh cpas for mainly dental practices and uh they switched to uh a instead of bi-monthly on um on payroll is bi-weekly and so I said, hey, you know, we're switching to this. You're getting 26, uh, you know, paychecks instead of uh, 24. And and you thought I told them they all got a pay cut. I was like, you know, you're going to get paid more, but a little less. And it kind of like, I mean, it threw me for a loop that that I realized that a lot of staff uh, in the dental industry live paycheck to paycheck. And, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. and they're paid well. It's not like they were fresh out of school. I mean, my office manager 
has been here 38 years now. Uh, assistants have been here 21, 21, and 17 years. And so we've got, and we've got some new and fresh blood um, that have joined us. But it was, it was a, it's kind of opening to see how just one little tiny effect of that, uh, you know, really kind of set, set people off. And then, it, you know, then it takes a few months and they realize, uh, oh, okay, this is not a big deal. And, and they got back on track. So, so, it, the, it, so the change was, wasn't their hourly rate? It no, wasn't. Not at all. No, just, just going from 24 paychecks to 26 paychecks. And, but I, it just means that they got paid, you know, two extra times, but each one, each paycheck prior or, you know, would be a slightly less than what they were getting um, on the paycheck, but still the same rate. I, I, actually, I, my first meeting with the staff was I said, everyone is getting a dollar raise. So I, I, I raised everybody up a um, dollar across the board as my, you know, first act as their new boss. And, and then also said, Hey, Oh, by the way, this is how we're getting paid. And it's like, I didn't, it's like, they'd never even heard that they were getting a raise. Uh, they just heard that they were going to get paid a little less each paycheck. But in the end, that, that was, and once I explained it, um, you know, and after a few weeks, they were like, "Okay, I think we get this now," and it's been fine ever since. But it was it was it was just eye opening to me as my first, you know, few weeks of a of a practice owner. So. I, I mean, to forty if you're working a forty hour week, you're getting paid for a forty hour week. I don't I don't understand. Yeah, it's it was it was minimal changes in in what their net paycheck was, but it it was um, uh, tough for some to understand that. Yeah, I'm not sure I even get it myself. Um, all right, so 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 that's a pretty, but you know what? That's a pretty big different differentiator right away for them to understand because a lot of times in people in your shoes, what happens is the ownership changes, but in their minds, nothing changes, and they still go to the prior doc. They still have the prior doc as as the boss and 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 the prior doctor also tends to have a hard time stepping back and saying that's not you know staying in their lane that's no longer my job you have to talk to dr k about that you know dr k mac you know like you have to speak to him i mean but you're kind of you've already established i mean you're, you are signing your paycheck so that does does grab their attention right away mm. you know what, what other uh, things did you find were like eye-opening things right away? That, that, that was one of them was, uh, you know, my father-in-law going from, you know, owner to no longer owner. And, and while he still has authority and, and the, you know, they still respected him for that. There were times that there were disagreements on stuff and they go, well, you know, Dr. Ross says this and I'm like, yeah, but we're, we just can't do that. Or, you know, patients who are getting a, um, you know, they were getting a deal and, you know, uh, because of something that he did 20 years ago or they were paying off a uh, yard work from 10 years ago, whatever it is, you know, it's tough because sometimes you just have to honor that. That's just part of buying the practice and it doesn't move the needle a whole lot. But, you know, there was there's still a lot of tough conversations office manager had to say was that's Dr. K-Mac's practice now. It's not Dr. Ross's and, like you know, he sold it. So it's, you know, and then you start like, well, it's this guy, all he, all he cares about is money. And I'm like, no, like, but I do have quite a large note to my father-in-law. So I do, yes, I do have to care about the economics of this, but no, that's not my driving factor in, in my practice was 
you know, money, money, money. I mean, even to this date, while we have goals and that kind of stuff, I've yet to have a morning meeting that says, hey, we need to produce this today and we need to sell this today and we need to complete that crown today. Um, so while, yes, we were a for-profit business, it uh, it was still, it was, it was hard because we, uh, my father-in-law, as he, you know, got closer to retirement, you know, he's, he's financially stable and he'd see, you know, Miss Jones and Miss Jones is 85 and she needs X, Y, and Z done. He's, oh, we'll just do it for a couple hundred bucks. And I'm like, you know, we just can't do that. And like, I, I love your heart and I love that, but we just can't give things away when I'm the one now paying a lot of the lab bills and all the, all the costs associated with it. So I think that was the, that was one of the biggest things. And, and I know I'm going to get there when, you know, when I'm 70, maybe I'm not working when I'm 70, but uh, you just kind of start giving things away because you've had a patient there for a long time. And, and it's going to be probably one of my kids or maybe one of their spouses having to deal with that in, in 30 years. How old was your father-in-law when this happened, when this went down? He is about to be 74. So he would have been 67. Okay. So yeah. So clearly in a retirement age group area, I mean, at least yep. chronologically, right? Yeah. And, and he's a, you know, he's from that generation of just, he's a worker bee. Uh, he put himself through, he, well, he, he grew up in a, in a trailer park, um, put himself through dental school and college and put his sister through college. And so he's got to, you know, pick yourself up by the bootstraps mentality. And if he's not working, um, it's, it's hard on him. And so it, it's, he's, um, it's tough in retirement. And I think he's trying to find, find his way, but you know, there's a lot of that, the, that generation that has to work, 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 work um, to get, you know, to get to where they they want to be. With the term of your note, are you pretty much paying that down now? Are you, what time did you take? 10 years? How many did you do? Yeah. 10 years on that. 10 years, four and a half percent or so is, is really good at that time. So you got uh, about three years left then, right? Yeah. 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 We're getting there. And then uh, there was an accounting mistake somewhere along the way that I was paying on a cone beam, uh, reimbursing my father-in-law and I just was an auto payment for a year and a half. <laughs> and so I've overpaid him. Uh, I think it was like 30 or 40,000. We, we learned this a few months ago and it's kind of nice. So we, we pay that, that note had been paid off a, a couple of years prior, but my auto pay just kept going to him. And so we just turned around and added that as extra payment to, uh, you know, to one of the, the notes, I think it was either the equipment note or the, uh, goodwill but it's kind of nice so now i've been uh, a little paying a little extra and only have a couple years left on it you mind talking just a teeny bit about that like the uh when you purchase a practice there are so many different variables and different categories of which you can like you just said it right there uh, uh some a couple of different notes that were separated and some of them have major tax consequences benefit for the purchaser and maybe not for the seller, right? Uh, how did you, how, do you mind sharing some of that, what, what you learned there? And, and, and a lot of it was based upon his CPA, the the valuation of the practice, uh, you know, is based upon, you know, multiple different things, a lot of it, just the collection side of it. Uh, but when they value it based upon the collections, they try to say, okay, well, you've got uh, these many ops and this amount of equipment and this amount of supplies. So let's put, a little bit towards that. And so uh, mm -hmm. I'd say a third of it of the total valuation went to a note to his corporation. And then the remainder went to him personally for the goodwill. And 
and he's a a C corp, so it was really kind of strange. And his CPA said he pretty um, creative with the amount that I was paying him uh, versus paying his corporation, um, and then also paying on on AR as well. So I have three different notes to him: AR, goodwill, and uh, equipment. So the AR became yours as you purchased it, right? Yep. And there, there are kind of two options there. Do we even purchase the AR? Yep. And we put together a formula on that and decided to, to go ahead. And, it, it, it was just it was a lot easier to go ahead and purchase the AR and just cut it off straight at January 17. And everything that comes in then is, you know, is, is mine. Well, it allows for a little more continuity in the uh, business administration. Now, what were some of the things that you wanted to change? Like what, what kind of business practices? Like you said, uh, I, we haven't shared it with folks that you guys particip- were participating with one insurance at that point in 2017? We were three insurances at that point. We had MetLife, right. okay. Met Delta, and Cigna, who were all, we were all contracted with. Uh, that That is one of the initial things I wanted to change, knowing that uh, – their reimbursement schedules of MetLife and Delta. Uh, that was, you know, a lot of listening to podcasts and reading books on what and how to do it. And it was scary when I pulled the trigger. And just like everybody else says, it's it's so much better in the long run. Um, and at that point in time, we had a, a large company in Fort Worth called Lockheed Martin. Yep. Uh, they're up here. Uh, they're, yeah, they're a massive company. Uh, and we we have a lot of patients from them. Uh, they switched to Cigna and their reimbursement rates went up a little bit. So, so after a few years of dropping those, I've kept on, uh, I've kept Cigna. Uh, Cigna's not great right now with, with us They're You know, they have this advantage plan and this pro plan and everything's really confusing, but I, I don't have any, uh, I'm, I'm not planning on dropping Cigna anytime soon, uh, but that, that was one of them was, was looking at the insurance side of it all. But really, I mean, it was, I, I work harder now from an HR standpoint than, than I did when I bought the practice. I mean, it was humming. There was six employees. They've all been there a long time. I walked in, did dentistry and everything, you know, went off without a hitch. Uh, I'd leave early and it was amazing. Uh, and then once COVID hit, I mean, we blew up and have added, I think we've got 14 total employees now. Um, so it's been, uh, that's that's where I didn't foresee obviously anything happening with, with the pandemic uh, and, and the changes that came along with the practice uh, just a few years ago. So it's, it's really kind of rocked my world. I was very reactive to the growth uh, and was like just dying to have a warm body uh, in the assistant chair or in hygiene. And so you hire really quickly and then you worry about training later on. And so that creates a lot of confusion with the existing staff and, the new staff coming in and trying to create, um, you know, just, just mesh the personalities was one of the hardest things. So as a result of COVID, you guys, you guys blew up, you guys grew tremendously. What'd you say? You doubled your practice. What'd you say? I, yeah, I'd say so. Uh, maybe, maybe so I would say, uh, let's see when I bought the practice in 17, the, we have almost doubled collections in uh since 17 to now uh and i would say most of that growth maybe 60 percent of that growth is in the last few years um you know some of that's just 
typical inflation of, um, mm-hmm. you know, just raising. Yeah, feet. but still, it's a hundred percent growth. So did yeah. did you and you did you change your physical plant? What did you do? Not at all. My father-in-law owns the building. Uh, my wife and her practice is a large group of OBGYNs here in town. They have about 4,000 square feet in the building. I've got about 3,000 square feet. And then we have another uh, private oil and gas company that's in, in that building. And we're actually in the process of uh, buying the building from him. Uh, but it's kind of fun. We have, you know, it's, it's keeping it in the family. And, and when, uh, when one of the tenants vacated, it left some room for me to expand uh, and and add on a couple of rooms and have a big break room and a big storage room. And yeah, that's what I'm talking about. So when, when did you, when did you change your physical plant? So in other uh, words, if you had in 2017, five operatories, what, what's it look like now? So we had uh, five operatories in 17, uh, really tiny uh, sterilization, one bathroom for all staff and patients, a break room that had a table for two people and in uh let's see 21 uh that's when i started it finished it in 22 so spring of 22 we now have uh, seven ops uh had to kill an op two so we added three new ones um but netted seven because i had to kill an op to create a much larger sterilization um so we had this kind of weird centralized operatory uh, that is now a very large sterilization area. And then, and then really just the logistic things. We had boxes stacked in hallways, uh, in bathrooms. It's no way of a big break. I mean, a big break room, big storage room, another bathroom and a washer and dryer. And, and we're still, you know, pretty crammed tight right now. I, I could probably add on another two ops and, and still use them. So how many docs are in there then? There's yourself and who else? Uh, and uh, we have an associate. Uh, she joined us a couple of years ago uh, as part time. Uh, and then, you know, with the, um, you know, with the mindset that she might not buy in, she might look for another, her own practice and then really enjoyed uh, working together. She's got a great mind. The patients and staff really like her. Um, and so she's, she's really meshed well. And, and as it, she went full time in uh, May of last year. Okay. It's been good. Okay. Um, so you increased two more operatories on the five. All right. So about a 40% growth in the number of operatories and you had that kind of growth. Okay. Uh, what were some of the other things? Okay. You increased your sterilization area. And you feel you're kind of at capacity, capacity almost now with the seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we are. It is. Uh, she and I are both stacked, running two rooms. Uh, so it's four dental ops and three hygiene. We've got uh, two full time hygienists and two part time. So we have twelve hygiene days, and uh, they're they're booked out. We've got we're probably booked out. Uh, I think our next cleaning opening is in the middle of June. Um, and I, but I, I don't, I really don't want to add another hygiene hygiene's it's great. I love it, but it, it does, it takes up time in the middle of the day and in the middle of a procedure, you know, even a lot of it, even if we're not due for an exam and have no x-rays, there's always something that's like, well, this thing is chipped or 
hey, can you smooth this or can you look at that? Mm -hmm. Oh, by the way, I do have this pain. Uh, can you come in and take a look at it? So there's a lot of those things that that throw off the, the operatory side of the day. Now, you said when you started three three uh, plans you were in and you dropped two of them. What was your strategy and how did you implement that? Uh, it was um, kind of build a find out how many are on that and and see who is you know see what number of patients we have we wrote a letter um just to explaining what and why we were doing it and would hand it to the patient and say hey uh you know we're going to honor the your fees this time and and at your next one but after that uh you know we're we will follow your insurance for you and then, then the letter explained all that about why we're doing it that we're going to file for you mm -hmm. And what was their reimbursement? What was the number compared to your your wow. UCR? Gosh, I mean, periodic exams were fifty percent. Uh, pro fees were fifty or sixty percent of UCR. Crowns were maybe forty percent less. Um, and I mean, it it was it was drastic. Um, the and and it wasn't just that; it was dealing with them. You you'd submit for some pretty basic uh, procedures with enteral photos and x-rays of the obvious stuff and you get denied and now I'm back in the office and dealing with it. So I still have to deal with that side of it all, but it, it almost makes it worth it financially because I'm charging UCR on it and not. Uh, well, I mean, if they're paying half of your fee and you lose half the patients, you end up creating capacity, mm -hmm. right? And you don't lose a, a penny, you know? And you, and you really don't lose as many as you as, as you think you will. Um, I, I mm -hmm. think we definitely had the ones who would leave and and go find somebody, and then a year or two later come back to go. You know what? I think I'm just going to stick here. Um, I think they they realize what what service was, and that uh, you know, especially now since COVID hit, everything just skyrockets in cost. You realize if you're in a network office you know how much you're having to make up on on the backside of costs and so you either have to see more patients or you have to do a lot more procedures and the patients are really picking up on that and realizing that um you know maybe they don't want to be in a in network office so you dropped the first one starting when 2018 fairly soon thereafter what, what was your plan yep it was i think it was in 18 uh and we, oh, we just dropped talked. the worst reimbursement rate first. That yeah, was MetLife was first. And I'm not, even, I, I, I don't recall writing a letter for them. There were so few patients. I mean, maybe 70 to 100. And, and I, I don't even, I think we just said, hey, we're not taking that insurance anymore. We'll file it for you, but we're not going to, um, we're not contracted with them anymore. And didn't really catch a whole lot of flack from that. But, Delta, we had quite a few patients on Delta when we did drop them, and that was that was the only one. I think that was uh, several months later, maybe even a year later, that we we dropped Delta. Wanted to see how MetLife went. Okay, and how'd it go? Great. I, you know, I do it all over again. Okay, so yeah, was, so that gets you the momentum running, and then you and then you dropped the second one about when? Probably uh, probably late eighteen, early nineteen. 
Okay. Uh, I think it might have been, I think it was early 19. I think we did it at the start of the year. All right. So you dropped that and, and you guys are you guys are ultimately are cooking. And if you're at capacity, why not consider dropping the third one now? Yeah. And, and that's deal it's, it's, with how it how it all plays out when you're at it kind of like it could solve some of your space issues. Yep. And, and increase your revenue. Same time. It's a it's a, it's a conversation that, that I'm I'm currently having with my uh office manager now and our associate. It's it's tough and and Probably the reason um, I, I'm not going to do it just yet is more not not so much logistics, but from a um, just from an overall look standpoint. We go, oh hey, oh, that's weird. The the old guy he retires, and the office manager she retires, and all of a sudden you're dropping these insurances. Well, that's not a good look for you, buddy. Like that's the conversation I play in my head. Whether or not patients will actually say that, I don't I don't know, but. Um, we've got a lot of changes happening with him retiring with my office manager retiring, hiring some new staff uh, here in the next few weeks, uh, replacing some front desk and uh, getting a new assistant and adding on. And it's a, there's a lot of changes and it's just one less thing I don't want to deal with right now. Uh, So I kind of want to, you know, because we have a lot of patients on that on Cigna. So I'm, I'm I'm real hesitant just because I don't want to have to deal with the number of conversations that I'm going to have uh, with long-term patients. And I'm, I'm really waiting on some of the Lockheed patients. A lot of them in the next year or two are probably going to retire anyways. Um, so as, as that happens, that'll, that'll probably make my conversations less and a little easier. Okay. Well, I have an opinion on that, but I'll be quiet. I, um... <laughs> I, and I, and I'm, I'm open to them. It's maybe it's not a podcast, uh, Time to talk about it, but yes, I, I I am I'm at that point where I don't have a, a a piece about what my decision is, and so I am open to any and all ideas on that. Well, to me, it just makes sense, regardless. I mean, change is change, right? So this might be the perfect opportunity because the reason you did it with the others is sort of the reason you're doing it for this. You know, it's about them having the ability to choose what they want, not having an administrator who has no interest other than cheap mm-hmm. for what they're going to, you know, have done dentistry wise. It's just the same, same conversations that you have prior. It's the same conversation you're going to have now, you know? And uh, it's almost like you have, if you have a certain number of people who've been through it, it just seems like this would be a natural, the next step naturally for them too. Cause they've already had these conversations, you know, like, it just seems to be the next logical step for you. And given the situation that you have, maybe you, if you drop 20 or 30% of those patients, you're still going to probably end up coming out way ahead, assuming that there's you're taking some hits on those fees. I would imagine you are. Have you looked at the fee schedules? I have. It's a, um, it's a significant bump. You know, it's to, not cheap to do what we do. I mean, it's, you, you know, as well as I do, the cost of the cost of living has gone way up and the cost of doing business has really gone up. So, you know, it's just, it's, it's can only, you can only squeeze that orange so far, you know? Yep. And that's, uh, and that's really what it is. It's, it's, you know, staff or staff costs are going up and, and I, staff are an asset to me. So I, I want to pay them well. It's, it's nice to have, yeah staff stick around and and take care of you and take care of them but patients really enjoy seeing the same faces over and over mm-hmm. and over again well continuity care there's nothing like it 
it's not, it's not happening in medicine very often. Yeah, no, it's 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 really difficult. And you know, my same thing my wife is experiencing is a lot of just staffing issues and turnovers and um lots of anger and emotions. It's not easy in, in the OB gen practice. Yep. And a lot of the decisions are made by the insurance companies. No, you're not staying overnight. No, this is not being done. No, you can't use this medication. We're going to use this one. Oh, okay. You have a knee problem. We got to get an x-ray first. Why? Well, because that's the standard of care based on the insurance company. Oh yeah. Oh, there's, yeah. they, they have to fight insurance way more than we do. But right. I, have a, I have a feeling we're not far off from that. Yeah. But the, the insurance is determining the cheapest possible course of of work you know it's the same thing like if you have a house claim right something happens at your house and you got to file a claim trust me they're not interested in giving you what what it's going to cost to fix it and even though that's what your policy says you know oh and by the way we also have this company that we work with they'll do the you know the reconstruction for you at pennies on a dollar yeah you know like and like, I want it like it is now. I want it returned to this this type of you know uh, condition. And when you when you're you're paying peanuts, I don't want monkeys. You know, so uh, I would rather stick to what we need what we need to have done properly. You know, I I, just, I, mean, I went through this a few years ago at, at one of our at our home, and uh, it was incredible the amount of work my wife had to put into getting basically what the insurance said they would pay. And they started out at one third the price, one third. And that's, and that's where they were staying. And oh, by the way, we have this company that's subcontracted through our, I was like, what? And then, and then let, well, give me some names of some customers that they've, you know, we tell the customers and they were like, one was like, well, we're never there. And, and it was great. They fixed our closet. We're like, closet, this is going to be two bathrooms, a kitchen, you know, da, 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 da. it's not a closet that they have to do. Oh, I probably wouldn't use them for that. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> it just, you just check on it, but oh, by the way, they're cheaper. So so it, it's it's an interesting situation. You're in a a great spot in that you've grown, you know, you've grown that practice so nicely to the point where you don't want to do a lot of hygiene checks because you're 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 busy, right? So why not why not you know just bite the bullet and uh, and, and do it? But that's you you got to come to that position because you obviously did with the other two. You were right. Your mindset was there, which I think is step one mindset going to do this and then two you don't turn back after you start and then you know because people people sense that like if you're hesitant and like right now if you were to explain it to a patient i don't think you would uh you would be convincing because i don't feel it in your i don't feel it in your bones no you're you're, you're exactly right and and patients pick up on that stuff yeah way yeah. more than what you say it's how you say it right you know that patient right that gets you up and they stand you up and they get you right in the corner and you're on your heels and you know, it's like, then they do it, you know, and, and you got to be like, yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you asked that. Boom. You know, oh, those are the fun ones. Those are the ones that keep you up at night. So are you looking at change? Are you looking at expanding your facility? Like, are you looking at adding more rooms or what are you looking Possibly, at? Possibly uh, not anytime soon. There's no space in our, in our building and we're not looking at uh, moving locations anytime soon. The, the the oil and gas company that's back there, uh, you know, they've got I think three more years on their lease, but it's a private office for them. And I don't see them going anywhere anytime soon. So I, I think before anything, before I expand, would would love to to drop 
Cigna and see what that does to the flow of the practice before uh, having to spend more energy and time and money on on expanding. Okay. All right. So a couple of final thoughts now. What In closing, a few, give me a few thoughts about what you did and how you did it. What did you learn and what would you like to share with others who are thinking about it? A, a big, uh, kind of a big turning point for me was, was realizing uh, that it's not just dentistry, that we're in a service industry. And I read uh, Unreasonable Hospitality. And it was a what, what was that you read? What unreasonable hospitality? Okay, um, written by a guy who took uh, eleven Madison Park um, to the number one restaurant in the world, and it's it's about you know while yes he's running a restaurant, it's not just about the restaurant. It's about how do you take care of your staff and how do you take care of your patrons. You know he mentions dentists very briefly in there, but. In in our world and, and what I've enjoyed about this podcast uh, and listening to it over um, you know the last couple of years is is trying to find ways to separate yourself from um, you know from the dentist in your area and, and why am I different? While I think my skills may be great, if, if they don't like my front desk or they don't like the way I talk to them or they don't like the uh, you know the the little things that we do, then then I'm not going to retain that patient and. I've learned that there's there's a, there's a balance though. I'm a people pleaser, and I want people to like me, but I have to also realize that I can't please everybody, um, and that I can't. So how do you it. how do you deal with that? Because that that is the most common thing in dentistry. Yep, we're all I'm great. I'll take care. I can help you with your pain. You like me. I like you. Blah blah blah. But the moment someone says something that that might be not controversial or confrontational, but that might be a differing thing. We we take it personally, right? How how do you handle that? What do you, what that's, do you that's a that's an hour long conversation. The short side of that is that um, <laughs> I had a, a real big uh, spiritual awakening for me in the last year and a half. Where you know I've grown up in the church and I've gone to church and yes I believe this and that yada yada yada. I could I can answer every single question, but I've I have a uh, a peace and a love that that doesn't make sense where. You know, I mourn with people who mourn and I rejoice with people who rejoice when I when I wasn't feeling that uh, a year and a half ago. And, and there's a there's a long story on how I, I got to that point. But it's made me free and understand that that my creator loves me for who I am and not um, that I don't have to please everybody. And, and one of my favorite sayings that someone has told me is, is that I have an audience of one I'm, I and, and that that one is is my creator. I don't need to please the 50 people who walk through our door a day or my friends down the street. Um, and while, yes, I need to have a loving and amazing relationship with my wife and my children, they're still not, you know, my, my judge. Um, so I, I think coming to that realization has, has made me a, a better boss and a better dentist to say, Hey, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to decide and do what I feel like is necessary. And if you don't like it, that's, that's okay. Like we don't have to agree on everything. And that was a hard realization for me to get to. Okay. How about lastly, what, what about just in, just in terms of owning and running your own business, what are one or two things that, that either you picked up or that you recommend um, either skills or training or what, what are some of the things? Cause when you, it's, it's, it's way different. I don't care what anybody's, when you start 
as an employee now as an owner when you when you put that other hat on things are different so what are some of the things that you picked up in terms of the business yep my uh you know as dennis said that we're all for the most part uh type a particular can be micromanagers just from the world we live in with working in really small tiny environments uh we had a patient uh who worked at lockheed and it was a was high up with them and um, was picking his brain and he said, you need to find what you're good at and, and do those things and find what you're not good at and pay people to do that. And I think that's where this, the strengths I have with their, their things in dentistry that I'm not great at. And I refer those out or I don't test myself in. And there are things that I test myself in and, and try to get better at. Um, so it's identifying those just to, to, for my craft, but also being a small business owner is hiring the right financial advisors and the right people from a CPA standpoint. Um, and for me, allowing my staff, having patience with them has been probably the biggest uh, thing for me is, is understanding that my staff is going to screw up. They're not going to file this correctly, or they're not going to say this thing to the patient, or they're not going to pick up, or, you know, they're not going to set up this, they're not going to send that off, whatever it may be that they're, they're human and they're going to mess up. And I think when they've, they've realized that they get grace in those moments and that, uh, you know, I understand that their intentions are, uh, are pure um, and that everyone's here just to try to, to love and, and serve our patients. Uh, my, I think my, my biggest thing I've picked up in the last couple of years is just learning to walk throughout the day with a sense of, uh, of just patience with, with my patients and with my staff. Uh, it's changed how I, how I treat staff and patients and it's changed how I then come home. Uh, I'm not all wound up and frustrated when I get home with my wife and kids over something silly that happened throughout the day. Have you learned the difference between abdicate and delegate? Ooh, uh, kind of, I I'm still in the midst of, of learning what that, you know, what that truly means for, for me. Um, but it's, it's something that's not, super fresh on on uh that I'm, I'm really good at either i look back and i think that my dad would would share that with me he's that's not something you can abdicate that's something you delegate and it, it was a very interesting thing because I, I never even heard the word i didn't know what the hell abdicate meant you know until i had to kind of look it up but uh i i understood the gist of it you know it's like you can't shirk that that's still your responsibility although you can delegate it and delegate it means you're going to pass it on to someone to do, but you need them to report to you. You need to check, you know, you need inspection and, and you know, a, a few other things, right? And uh, it was very helpful for me, but it was a hard thing. I, I think it wasn't a natural thing for me to to learn that. So uh, I just, you know, listening to you, I'm, I'm thinking back to myself, where was I at when I was five or six years into ownership, you know? That was 1997 for me, you know, I was six years in ownership, you know, et cetera. So a little walk down memory lane for me. That's All right. Any, any last thoughts, anything you'd like to share? No, I think, uh, you know, just a, a thanks to, to y'all for continually doing this podcast. I think it, it helps people more than, than, uh, than, you know, and, and it does, it creates a sense of community where we can learn from each other. And, you know, while, someone might be listening to this and go, Oh, well, that's cool. That's neat. I've, you know, I've never really thought about this or that. 
you know, a lot of it really is just maybe just picking up one, one thing that, uh, that one of us has said and that, you know, while we may not listen to an hour of this, maybe 30 seconds, someone goes, Oh man, that's going to, that's going to change. Or I'm going to think about that throughout the week. And so I, I just, I appreciate y'all, uh, you know, being willing to to put this all together and, and, you know, broaden our, our community and, and uh, kind of bring people across the nation together on this. Well, I thank you very much for that nice comment and compliment. And it doesn't happen without people like yourself. So, you know, thank you for being willing to, you know, sort of expose parts of your anatomy during a conversation, you know, but, but also share, you know, and, and so not everybody has to make the same mistakes, right? All right. So Alex, your contact, I don't know if I have it in your, in your thing. How how would you like people to reach out to get in touch with you? Yeah, I I think, uh, you know, dralexcamac at gmail.com. That's probably the easiest one. D-R-A-L-E-X-C-A-M-M as in Mary A-C-K at gmail. That's probably the easiest way. Well, you're like me. You don't you don't make it complicated. I draw. I don't have the dr. I just have Sunny Spirit at Gmail. So I know I try to uh, separate the personal and business uh, side of the Gmail, <laughs> even though it all. I, sh- I should probably together. do that because now I'm starting to get some some crazy spam things. But anyway, all right. Last question, got to ask you. Okay, you probably heard this before, but going to ask you if you could go back in time anywhere, time, place, uh, where would you go? Hmm. I'm gonna go with um, I'm gonna go with Rome in uh, you know roughly two thousand years ago. I think uh, that would be a fascinating place of uh, history um, and knowledge and growth, uh, excitement, sports and games. Uh, I think there's a, lo- a lot going on at that time. Um, 2000 years ago have you ever been to rome i have yep it's unbelievable isn't it? i love it we've we've traveled a lot with our kids we've taken them uh you know a, a lot a lot of places in europe and really enjoyed the history over over there it's it's mind-blowing to see what was happening 2000 years ago and you know where i'm sitting right now 150 years ago we were in log cabins and and tents um <laughs> it's really fascinating and the roads you're walking on were built 20,000, 2,000 years ago, something like that. You know, it's hard. It's hard to, it's really hard to grasp when you, when you really start thinking about it. It's one of my favorite places on earth too. Same reason. All right, my friend. Well, thank you very much. Uh, I appreciate you. And uh, this show should be on fairly soon. So thank you. Appreciate your time. You got it. Thanks. All right. Have a good day. You too. Thanks for listening to the fee-for-service dentist podcast. If you would like to share your fee-for-service story, please fill out our contact form at ffsdentistry.com. Also, be sure to join our fee-for-service dentistry Facebook group. For help starting your dental membership plan, visit dentalmembershipdirect.com and membershipmastercourse.com. Finally, for help with in-house financing, visit dentalfinancingdirect.com. And don't forget, your story is what you make of it. This is your name on the door and your reputation on the line. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time. This has been a Rogue Media Network 